Stay fly. Stay fly. I don't give a damn if the KKK is declared as a terrorist organization or not. You and I, we know what the KKK is. We know what they represent. Okay, we know that. We also know historically that the KKK, when Marcus Garvey was alive and, and he, when he was here in America for that short spell of time, that the KKK was uh, uh, corresponding with Marcus Garvey. We know that. Right. Okay, so so you have black folks. You have black folks. You're listening to the Fly Guy Show. They do everything on the fly and in such a fly manner. Stay fly, stay fly, stay fly. Stay fly. The views expressed by the guests are only the views of the guests. Unless we say we agree. Unless explicitly stated. <laughs> hey, this is Larry Thomas here on the Bold School Podcast. You're listening to Psycho Varner's Fly Guy Podcast. Support, like, subscribe, and share. He's saying some good things. Share it. Don't keep it to yourself. All right, you're watching the Fly Guy Show on Our Black Improvement. I'm Psycho Varner, and I'm here with my good friend, my good mentor, <laughs> our good friend, our mentor, T. West from Afro Synergy News. And today we're going to chat about Ice Cube's contract with Black America. And we're going to juxtapose it with T. West's African-American National Political Agenda. Is that what it's called? That's exactly it. 21-point agenda, yes. All right. And just before we got started, and we're starting a little early, you mentioned that this is the brewing of the perfect storm. What do you mean by that? Well, the brewing of a perfect storm in America is a situation where you have, let me put it this way first. What you've had in other countries, you've had what's called color revolutions. And very often the CIA has uh, actually perpetrated these color revolutions in other countries around the world. For example, the Arab Spring color revolution what happened in uh, Libya 2011 a color revolution okay where the West was behind it now the West being United States France Britain etc they were behind it and now what you see converging here in America is a color revolution right here in America and what's at play here you have protesters peaceful protesters in the streets Across America, right? But a lot of peaceful protesters. You also have provocateurs. You have saboteurs. You have uh, anarchists. You have all of these isms and ists involved in this. It's a perfect storm. So you're seeing um, uh, the wheat. To use an old biblical term, you're seeing the wheat and the weeds all out there together. They're growing together. They're in the streets together. They're protesting. Some of them peacefully, some of them not so peacefully. So it's all the brewing, the making of a perfect storm in America. Now, for African Americans, for black folks in America, those who descended from more than 400 years of slavery and uh, then discrimination, all forms of discrimination in America, this is an opportunity for you. It's an opportunity, especially if you have an agenda. And you know, well over a year ago, I put together the 21-point African-American national political agenda. And I've shared that widely. 
that agenda. And uh, since that time, you've seen other agendas uh, put together by other individuals. And that's all good. You know, let the wheat grow with the weeds, grow with, grow with the tear. Let it all grow together. Okay? Because this is what it's going to take in order for us to get what we are demanding. And what, what are we demanding? We're demanding reparations. We're demanding reparations now. Okay? No. Okay. No waste. No waste for it. But reparations right. right now. Yes. And that's from the top. That's at the very top. Reparations is not at the bottom of the agenda. It's at the top. It's the top. It's at right. the top. Because it's the most important. At the top. You know, and I noticed that my uh, my dear brother, Ice Cube, he had, he had um, uh, at the bottom, he had the studios, you know, money for the studios. Okay, that was at the bottom. But he didn't put preparations at, at the bottom, and that's good. Now, unlike um, what um, uh, Antonio Moore and uh, my sister, uh, uh, Yvette Carnell, they put it at the bottom, Okay. All right, so and I know we're going to get more into uh, the agenda also that uh, Brother Ice Cube uh, has uh, uh, put forward, and that's all good. Let it all, let it all come on out here. Let it all come to the eyes and ears of the people, and then and then let's have this dialogue, and let's quickly have this dialogue without delay, and then let's move on to the main business at hand, and the main business at hand is reparations now, not later. Now, right now, and you know what, brother? Um, one of our uh, one of the friends of the Fly Guy show, one of the friends of our Black Improvement, even though they won't use the term Black, I'm sure, is the uh, Canyonland Moors, and their point is you can't get reparations if you don't have a nationality. I've kind of pushed back against that because when we look at the United States of America, if correct me if I'm wrong, brother, correct me if I'm wrong, but the white slave owners receive forms of reparations after the emancipation of the African slaves. Some of them in the South, not all of them, but a lot of them in the South receive reparations because they lost property and income. Secondly, the Native American groups, a lot of them, the five civilized tribes anyway, receive reparations, forms of reparations, and they still benefit from those reparations today. It may not have been a perfect thing, but they have received it. The uh, Jewish community, the Jewish community here in the United States of America, they receive some forms of reparation for what happened with them and the Holocaust, and that didn't even happen on American soil. And then we have the Japanese who were interned, I mean, they were confined here in America, right? For, um, they were confined here in America for, oh, was it four years? It may have been two years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they've received forms of reparations. Right. And none of these groups, none of these groups that I just mentioned had a different nationality. They weren't saying that they were, you know, um, a different nationality. They didn't say that they were different in nationality. And so, you know, a brother from the Canyonland Moors and all to my other Moors brothers and sisters, I love you. Salute to the Moors. Uh, salute to the Prophet Noble Drew Ali. But in my, res in my research, I've just found that you don't need to have a different nationality to get reparations unless you're going to the, um, what is it that something... Oh man, the the I can't think of the name of the governing body, but it's the something United Nations. 
unless you're going to the United Nations. If you're going to the United Nations, you will need to have a specific nationality. But if you're doing it internally, you do not need to have a specific nationality. And I think that we need to, you know, push back on that type of thought. What do uh, you say, yeah. Gordon? Am I right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you. I'm very familiar with uh, uh, that uh, concept of you need a nationality before you can get reparations and all. No, 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 no. You don't need that. Uh, the Japanese Americans, they were Japanese Americans. African Americans are African Americans right here in America. Japanese were citizens of America. They got reparations. You articulated it correctly when you when you did uh, a rundown of uh, the groups that have received reparations from the U.S. government. Okay, that was good. So you don't need all of that to get what we must get. Okay. Uh, that's just another thing that's that's put in the way that you don't need there. So um, we know that uh, black folks were de facto in a de facto way they was create they were treated as a nationality from the very beginning. Okay, nobody you know only people who are going to be enslaved are the quote Negro close quote. Okay, that's a nation. That's a group. Right there, so that's already been defined. And uh, today is uh, we know who they are because you were descendants of those people who were enslaved, descendants of those people who were discriminated against, and also living individuals today who are still discriminated against to this very, very day. So you don't need all of that. And I've also talked about uh, the formation of a de facto keyword de facto nation state now a de facto nation state first you have to ask the question well hey look where are most black people at in america what region are they residing in predominantly in america today well the answer would be they're in the southeastern region what's the percentage oh well around about 40 percent of black people live in the southeastern region now uh, in the 1940s, 50s, and going forward, you have the mass migration of millions of blacks out of the southeastern region. They were chased out, pushed out, mm-hmm. terrorized out, okay? Which is what white folks wanted to do. Now, they wanted to you, they wanted to run you away from your future opportunities. Okay, now, so you ran off to the, the north, the northeast, uh, the southwest, uh, etc. You you ran away from that area, but yet today you have forty percent of blacks who are still residing and living in the southeastern region of the United States. Now, a de facto nation state that would entail you becoming a majority, not just in a city, not just in a state, but I'm talking about a doggone region where you become a majority. Once you become a majority, then you're able to establish certain laws, ordinances that you wish. You're able to police your own group of people. You know, we hear lots of talk about Black Lives Matter and and on and on and on. We see it printed on on some of the streets. We saw it printed outside the Trump Tower in New York City. But that's all, all, uh, you know, uh, that's not substance. That's symbolism. That was a political statement by the mayor of New York. That's all that was. 
a political statement. That right there is not going to put any dent in the wealth gap separating right. black and white Americans. It's not going to do it. Okay? So, now if you were to paint in yellow letters in front of the Trump Tower reparations now, well, guess what? Yeah, that gets a lot of attention. Yes, that pushes forward even more the discussion of reparations. And you saw how the Democrats, during the Democrat presidential uh, 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 run, the nomination process, you saw how they shut that down. You saw Yeah, they they actually did, yeah, yeah. Yeah, when Joe Biden was asked the question, well, Joe, what do you think about reparations? Joe went off is talking about uh, illegal immigrants. He started talking about immigrants. He didn't say anything about reparations. He ignored that aspect, a big aspect of the black agenda. So that's what you're going to get from somebody like a Joe Biden. Now, of course, uh, Donald Trump, he said, well, reparations, hmm, interesting. He said, interesting. Joe Biden totally ignored it. Yeah. Trump that's interesting. But then Trump went and on to say, I don't think it's going to happen, though, but it's interesting. Okay? All right. And that's why we need an agenda. That's right. That's why we have the African American's national political agenda. That's why you see other agendas that are coming, are being made known publicly. You're beginning to see that. And that's all good. That's all good. But not all agendas are equal. They're not all equal. Not all agendas are really agendas. Some of these agendas are simply the same thing regurgitated up that has been done or tried in the past, many of which have failed. Okay? And I I looked at some of what my brother Ice Cube has put forward. Some of it is great. And some of it is just a regurgitation. Okay? Some of it is not going to work because it's already been tried. It's already been sabotaged. Okay? So you have to, what you've got to do, you've got to do something that is uh, more of uh, finality. Okay? Finality meaning you've got to do something that says, look, we're going to cut the umbilical cord. I'm no longer going to be uh, 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 on this umbilical cord, umbilical cord, no longer. All right, we can talk like like like, like a, uh, a children and their parents. We can do all of that, but I'm you know I'm not I'm not a I'm not a, an unborn infant anymore. I don't need to be on this umbilical cord of America anymore. I need right. what is owed to me. I need what? my inheritance. I need let's, that. Go through, let's go through your African American national political agenda very quickly, and then we'll juxtapose it with what Ice Cube is promoting. And so he's saying that we need a government study on the adverse effect. Oh, actually, this is you. Government study on the adverse effect of slavery. Um, why do you think we need a government study? Hadn't that been done already? It has been done already. However, however. That is the real aspect of what is in Congress right now. They're saying they need that. Now, what I'm saying, 
is that okay yeah you need that so all you got to do is compile all of that it's already been done those studies have already been done compile it all it would take just a few weeks you got it and then let's move this doggone thing on over to the the floor of congress for a vote let's see uh which persons in congress republican democrat independent let's see how they vote on this and for this let's see which ones have black folks interests at heart and which ones don't all right you know one of the things that you say next on your number two is that reparations is owed and must be rendered to african-americans descendants of those enslaved beginning approximately in 1619 in primarily British, French, and Spanish colony territories, what would later become the United States. Why are you being so specific? And actually, I agree with you being so specific because we did have a lot of uh, quote-unquote so-called blacks who came over in the 60s and 70s, 80s from different countries. And although they're benefiting from the work that our ancestors did, and we love them because they're family, uh, their their you know predecessors didn't go through chattel slavery. Are, are, are we in agreement on that? Oh yes, that's true. That's true. Their ancestors did not go to, through chattel slavery in the United States here in North America. Now some right. of them who came later, they of course Haiti, uh, Cuba, uh, 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 Puerto Rico, and, and other islands, and even uh, England. Okay. They went through slavery, but it wasn't under the U.S. government. So what we're talking about is what the United States government owes, okay? That's what we're talking about. That is where our focus must be, on what the United States owe us. And uh, to the commenter, Mr. Garado, free money, no, no, no. This is a debt that is owed, okay, period. That's what it is. It's a debt that is owed. If you took something from, if they took something from your parents, Garado, your parents did not have an inheritance to leave for you. It's an inheritance debt that is owed by the U.S. government. Why the U.S. government? Because the U.S. government profited from it. The U.S. government sanctioned slavery. The U.S. government did. There were tax uh, taxes every year. Slave owners had to file their taxes. If they lost uh, uh, enslaved people, okay, for whatever reason, hurricane. let's say the hurricane uh, killed a uh, hundred of their uh, enslaved people. They could write that off in taxes, okay? So that was a part of the inheritance, okay? White folks, they enriched themselves. They left money for their children and their children's children based upon the profits that they were making from slavery. The enslaved people did not get an inheritance for the most part. They didn't get that. They didn't get any tax benefits from the U.S. government, from the state governments. They didn't get any of that. So it's an inheritance debt that is owed by the U.S. government. Free money? Hell no. No, our ancestors worked for that. And the federal government prevented them from benefiting from their work. And then we had the Jim Crow era. We had Reconstruction. And a lot of other things happened that, uh, of course, we're not going to go into those right now. I do want to go back to your political agenda. You know, you said to move reparations bill HR 40 from committee into full vote. I noticed that you have that under 
reparations is owed? Why do you have that under reparations is owed? Well, the first thing that I wanted to note, and as I said in the beginning of this program, reparations should be number one on the agenda. And then after you establish that what is number one on your agenda, then you establish the details underneath that. Well, what needs to happen to reparations? This reparations, this, this, this push towards reparations. Well, is you got HR 40 that's been sitting in a desk for over 30 years. Okay? You need to get that out of the desk and move it to the floor of Congress. You need to do that. The Japanese, it took them 10 years before they finally got reparations. 10 years. So, uh, and it's been over 30 years since this has been sitting in a desk, in a committee, in Congress. That is totally, totally unacceptable. So there's a process to all of it. The demand comes reparations, number one. Then the steps towards getting that reparations moved forward. You got to deal with what's out there right now. Got you, got you. Now, one thing I like about your your African-American national political agenda is you want prison reform to include the right for ex-felons. That's number seven. It must include the right for ex-felons who have served their sentences to immediately receive their right to vote. Why is that so important to you? Well, it's very, very important because they have, number one, they've served their sentence. They've paid for that crime. So they should immediately be given all the rights that they had prior to them going into prison. That should happen. And that's a no-brainer right there. That should be uh, first and foremost. All across the country, this is not a, that right there is not about state laws. That should be a federal issue right there. Just like the Supreme Court just the other day told the state of Oklahoma, told them that uh, much of Eastern, about half of Eastern Oklahoma, about half of Oklahoma actually, is Native American territory. And that the state of Oklahoma does not have jurisdiction over those areas. So therefore, you know, you can't come in, their state police cannot come in and try to push state, state law in those areas because that relationship is between the federal government and the Native American nation. So the same thing with African Americans. It must be a relationship between African Americans and the federal government of the United States. Otherwise, you could have 50 states having different rules as relates to reparations, as relates to anything that relates to reparations. So it has to come from the top. Right. And you also say the Constitution of the United States must be upheld. Federal laws of the U.S. must be upheld. The government should not intrude in the affairs of us unless where there are violations of law. Now, number 11, I have a group in here in the Hampton Roads area, and we went through your African-American national political agenda and we juxtaposed it with the ADOS 101 agenda. We juxtaposed it with the information that was released from the Foundational Black Americans agenda. We juxtaposed it with the agenda of Black Lives Matter. We juxtaposed it with <laughs> a couple of other groups. And the number 11 
yours is the only agenda that has the core of families or male, female, and children. Do you think that's a little discriminatory? What do you think? No, it's not discriminatory at all. Uh, and, and, and I mean that. I mean that. Uh, uh, in America and in Western Europe, what they have been promoting is a genocidal agenda. They know because, you know, decades ago, I stated, I wrote and I spoke it. Denmark and Sweden, they have the lowest negative birth rate in all of Europe. Denmark and Sweden, also okay. at that time, and I'm talking about a few decades ago, also at that time, those two countries had the highest homosexuality of all of Europe. Now, what that means is that the more you push and promote homosexuality and lesbianism, the less you're going to have in um, birth. Okay? So, in fact, these areas of Europe, they had to import people in from a, from other parts of Eastern Europe or other parts of Asia or other parts of Africa in order for their economic system, their healthcare system to remain solvent. Why? Because white folks were not having babies. To have that in our African-American political agenda, though, that's... Yeah. <sighs> All right, but I love the fact that you came up with this African-American national political agenda. And I, uh, we went through it. We adopted a lot of it into what we're calling the empowerment agenda. So just a little pushback on that. I do like the fact that you say that uh, courts and police departments must uphold the constitutional right of African-Americans ensuring that they are free from 911 calls solely based on racism that can and has led to the death of African Americans. We just saw with what uh, Jason Black, the Black Authority did with his billboards in New York addressing that situation, the Karen Law and the young lady who who called the police on Christian, whatever his last name was uh, she was arrested and so we're seeing that happening and I, I, I'm so glad to see that in your agenda. That has to be a part of anybody's agenda, I agree. I love it. Thank you. Yeah, and that's uh, very, very important. Very important. Go ahead. Right. So we went over, you know, we just kind of breezed through your 21-point African-American national political agenda. Today, we wanted to kind of discuss what Ice Cube came up. And since we just went through yours, now I want to kind of juxtapose Ice Cube's Ice Cube's with you know what you have to what you're bringing to the table so his is the contract with black america addressing racial inequality what were your thoughts you got a chance to read through this a little bit brother what were your thoughts well it's good that he uh had reparations within his first paragraph that's very good i agree with that um there are some areas in there that uh that i disagree with and uh, we can definitely uh, uh, deal with those. I don't know if you. I don't know if you wanted to go through them uh, piece and piece by piece. I mean, we could do that. Uh, but uh, there are some areas. But overall, you know, it's, it's it's pretty good. But 
in the agenda, it is largely more of the same. Okay, more of the same. Uh, for example, you know, you got affirmative action. Affirmative action for all secondary schools. Well, hell, affirmative action does not work overall for black folks in America. It doesn't work. Okay? Wow. And it ain't going to work in the future. Uh, for secondary schools, colleges, universities, public and private. And then he goes on to say black enrollment must meet or exceed the percentage of black population nationwide, 13.4%. Well, unless you change the laws, some of the laws, you've got Supreme Court, a few Supreme Court cases that uh, strikes at the heart of what they call quotas. Okay? Mm. All right? Now, I'm like this. I'm like straightforward. Give us our damn money that you owe us, okay? And let us go and do what we need to do, okay? Because right here, what what Ice Cube is, is, is really articulating is more of the same. You're still on the doggone umbilical cord. All of what he's talking about in this second bullet point here under black opportunity and representation, all of that is representative of being on the umbilical cord. All of that is going to be sabotaged. Not maybe. It is going to be sabotaged. It's always sabotaged. So he's, he goes on to say, in addition, if the black population in the country, uh, in the county, the school is located is greater than 13.4%, the enrollment must be increased to that higher percentage. Well, who's going to be monitoring that out of the thousands and thousands and thousands of counties across America? Uh-uh. Ain't going to work. Ain't going to work. That is, just a, that is just a prescription for more of the same. There's too much red tape, too much bureaucracy in it. It ain't going to work. Okay? You're going to have a huge debt amount of money just in having people to try to monitor all of that. No, no, no. Just no. an oversight. Just an oversight. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. What do you think about his mandatory civil rights and anti-racism classes in all elementary schools? That ain't gonna work. <laughs> it's not gonna work. The reason why it's not gonna work is that you're gonna have resistance by white people in the United States. Period. Okay? Alright. Now, if if black folks, if more black folks, and more and more are doing this, they're beginning to listen, okay? If more black folks migrate to the region, a region, you can have all of that. But you're not going to have that in California. It ain't going to happen. You're not going to have that in Arizona. That is not going to happen. You're not going to have it in New York. It ain't going to happen. Why? Because you don't have the numerical numbers, the power to do it. You don't have it. Democratically, you don't have it. The Hispanics get what they want because they have numbers. In California, they are the majority population now. So therefore, they started with making cities sanctuaries. Then they went to counties as sanctuaries. Then they went to the whole doggone state. We're gonna make the whole damn state a sanctuary state. Why? Because they got the numbers. Black folks, you got to have the numbers. You ain't going to be able to do any of that in the state of Oregon. You're not going to be able to do any of that in the state of Washington. You can't do it. And if you did do a little bit of that, it ain't going to last. It simply will not last. Hmm. What do you think about his position with equal health care facilities in all neighborhoods, regardless of demographics? It's too vague. It's too vague. 
that that's a very vague way of possibly possibly saying you know well yeah we want abortion clinics uh more widely available okay it's too damn vague it's it's open it's too damn open and people will exploit that you know when you when you put forward a contract or an agenda you need to think of all of the angles that people will use with what you're proposing because you may be putting forward something that's going to damn you okay you need to think it out clearly okay is that's very very important you can't just quickly just throw something up on the wall and say okay here it is here's the contract here's the black contract with america here's the black agenda you can't do that not if you're really really serious about real real liberation real black liberation when you're serious about something like that you're going to look at it from every damn angle you're going to throw it at this person throw it at that person and see what that person has to say or think about it you're going to do that that's what you're going to do and you know we gotta realize we most of us originally came here from the continent of africa We've got to realize that the overwhelming majority of the continent of Africa don't do not buy into the homosexual agenda. We've got to realize that. And before it's all said and done, before it's all said and done, after we get reparations, we're going to have to have socioeconomic relations with the continent of Africa. Now, South Africa is an exception. Okay, South Africa. They're very much like San Francisco when you're talking about uh, homosexuality. All right. You know, that that homosexuality agenda is something that when we looked at the different agendas, of course, with Black Lives Matter, that was something really high on their agenda because, you know, they're, they're looking for LGBTQ leadership, promoting that in all forms of the struggle we're dealing with. But we didn't see... Uh, a concern, uh, even a concern with homosexuality or alternate lifestyles, LGBTQIA and any of the other agendas except for yours and except for Black Lives Matter. Uh, is that going to muddy the waters? Well, uh, others, others, the other agendas is mainly because they're afraid to deal with that. Uh, they're either they're either in that lifestyle themselves. They have family members who are in that in that lifestyle. Uh, 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 they're afraid of money support if they speak out against it because that that group is very very powerful and very wealthy. I mean, you, of course, you got you got uh, uh, homosexuals, lesbians who are poor and impoverished, but for the most part, that group is very very uh, 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 wealthy. That's why Obama went to the state of Washington so often and also uh, Northern California so often. They have a lot of money. You know, they buy their way. They buy it. So uh, they're very, very powerful. All right, what do you think about his position with black lending? You know, he says, to be crystal clear, every bank in the U.S. each year must lend in each category of loan, credit, mortgage, etc., a minimum of 13.4% to black-owned businesses or individuals across the category or instrument of financing involved. Uh, now, one thing about Ice Cube, at the beginning of it, it says, these are ideas that are to be discussed, hashed out, considered, you know, chatted about, you know, refined. 
Um, I, I think this again is another area where we might be reaching. I'm, I'm pretty simple. I'm thinking we need to make sure we get rid of qualified and implied immunity and we need to have reparations and then we can look at some other things as well. But what do you think about this part? The, yeah, being no, crystal clear about blank, what banks must do. Yeah, I agree. I agree with the, with the bank part with you. Not with what Brother Ice Cube is saying on that one. Okay. What will not work. It won't work, period. That will never work. Okay. Uh, because you'll have outside. Now, you. Congress can pass some laws that uh, goes towards what Ice Cube is talking about and asking for with that 13.4% representation of blacks and in, in, in bank loans, etc. You can do that if Congress passed such laws. Congress is not going to pass such laws, though, okay? And if Congress does not pass such laws, and if banks on their own try to do something like that, you'll have white people and other people who will file a lawsuit and they will win with that lawsuit because the Supreme Court will rule if it goes all the way up, if it's appealed all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court, the Supreme Court will rule in their favor. Period. Mm. It's more business as usual. Okay? I'm like, no, 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 no. We don't need all that. All we need reparations. We need that. Number one, reparations. Bob Johnson has put out a number of $14 trillion and some people disagree with the amount and you're always going to have people who, some people who's going to do that but $14 trillion total $350,000 per each person who descended from slavery in America black person who descended from slavery in America now that's all fine and good now you take that that's the first point second point is collectively have a master plan that has to do with movement, migration into an area, a region where you have the numbers. And when you have the numbers, you can even better establish international trade relations with the Caribbean islands, with the African countries, or other countries. You can better do that. Now, that's the top of the umbilical cord. That is taking your inheritance and being responsible with and for your inheritance. That is taking the blame factor out of the game. That's the final solution. We don't want to be litigating about, well, did, it, uh, uh, did the bank, did the bank uh, loan out 13% of the money. Well, hell, if you get $14 trillion or more, you can have your own damn banks. <laughs> you can have your okay. own damn banks. You don't have to worry about Bank of America, Wells Fargo, uh, Chase, uh, 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 Citizen, Citizen Bank, and all that. You don't have to worry about that. So You're pretty much saying that if the reparations which are due are paid, then a lot of these financial things don't need to happen. Is that what I'm getting from you? That's correct. That's correct. See, they're regurgitating much of the old, same old, same old programs of the past, many of which have proven to be failures. How do we know? Because of the wealth gap. 
The wealth gap has not decreased between black and white in America. The wealth gap has gotten larger. That's how we measure this. We measure it that way. We don't measure it according to how much money Michael Jordan has, how much money Bob Johnson has, how much money uh, Ice Cube had. We don't measure it by that because when you look at the wealth gap, you look at that red line at the bottom there, that's black folks. You look at that green line at the top, that's white folks. When you look at that wealth gap, that is a representation of the Bob Johnsons, the Michael Jordans, the, the, the Serena Williams and all. That's a representation of all their money. Even with all their money, you're still on the damn bottom. Uh, you know what's interesting when we look at that graph and Antonio Moore and Yvette Carnell, I do follow their stuff. Actually, I like a lot of the stuff with the Ados 101. They made the interesting point that that red line, the top of the red line, even when it's at the very top, are some of the families who immigrated with money from Nigeria, from Ghana, from Britain, from, you know, uh, Dominican Republic, Trinidad and Tobago. Those who had money moved to the United States of America. Yes, they were black. They're counted in that black figure. But that doesn't necessarily represent the experience of most black, so-called black African-Americans here in the United States of America. And uh, Sandry Darity actually has a lot of information to support that. So, yeah, even that, even that image doesn't really tell the whole story. It doesn't tell the whole story. Right, and that's fine. Some people will try to use that and make that an argument for uh, uh, throwing a wedge in between African Americans and Black immigrants from other areas of the world. They'll try to use it for that. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Think, think. If you if you were to take them out, it's still bad. It's still very bad. Okay? And that's the bottom line. That's what we're looking at. We're not looking at something to try to say, you ain't us, you ain't us, you don't represent us. You, we're not looking at it for that. We're looking at it for the fact that if you're black in America, more often than not, you're going to be discriminated against. I don't care if right. you came from Nigeria or wherever. You're going to be discriminated against. And, and, and in order for us to move forward towards pushing the demand of reparations, we must do it together. We must not go out there and try to be smarty, smarty poo and say, well, you know, in that graph right there, you know, that includes those other black folks also. Well, you know what? Some of those other black folks are your allies. Now, we know some of them aren't, but we know some of them are your allies. We know that some of the African-Americans in there are not your allies, too. Okay? All right. But look at the big picture. The big picture is this. The black-white wealth gap is not decreasing. It's increasing. Even with, with those coming here from Ghana, from Ethiopia, from Eritrea, from Somalia, from wherever, Cote d'Ivoire, wherever, that wealth gap is increasing, not decreasing. So we have to address that. And we cannot address that if everybody... Is talking about nitpicking about this, nitpicking about that. You know, uh, you can't do that. It disturbs me that I see so much of a a, a fight between 
those two camps. And when I say those two camps, I'm talking about the Adolf 101 camp with Antonio Moore and Yvette Carnell and the Foundational Black Americans, which includes Tariq Nasheed, Jason Black, and Professor Black Truth, and the Blackest Truth. Shout out to the Blackest Truth. That's just on top of things. Uh, it, it really kind of disturbs me that there's so much infighting but I, I know that's going to be, unfortunately, the nature of the beast. Let's get back to uh, T-West. Uh, let's get back to what Ice Cube was talking about with the judicial and public policy reform. All right, so he says that we should recognize racism as a public health crisis. We should ban all privately run prisons. Prison labor should not be used without consent and declare the KKK a terrorist organization. Any thoughts? Well, <laughs> uh, the KKK as a terrorist organization. Well, they're also talking about some of the people talking about uh, declaring uh, black and have declared Black Lives Matter as a terrorist organization. Uh, well, look, look. <laughs> I don't give a damn if the KKK is declared as a terrorist organization or not. You and I, we know what the KKK is. We know what they represent. Okay, we know that. We know that one thing that some uh, many members in the KKK represent is a separation of black and white. We know that. Not all of them, but we know that some of them do. We also know historically that the KKK, when Marcus Garvey was alive and, and he, when he was here in America for that short spell of time, that the KKK was uh, uh, corresponding with Marcus Garvey. We know that. Right. Okay, so, so you have black folks, you have black folks who think to some extent the same way that members of the KKK think. They think separation. Okay? We know that. And now, you, then if you're going to declare all KKK people a terrorist group, then are you going to also declare certain black groups who have a certain philosophy, a certain thoughts, terrorist groups? You know, you had the FBI, what the FBI months ago, they declared... Uh, black extremist groups, something like that. Okay. Yeah. That, that, but you know, they said the same thing about Dr. King. They called him a terrorist. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they called Marcus Garvey a terrorist. Right. <laughs> you know. It, so I. So you're thinking similar in the way that I'm thinking that that might be much ado about nothing. You know, if, if they're a criminal, we need to go ahead and prosecute them. They do prosecute. You know, they do criminal acts. They need to go to jail. And okay, that might be much ado about. I love the fact that he has it there. I love the fact that he has it there, but I'm not sure if that should be. I don't know. A lynching to become a federal hate crime with a recommended federal sentence of life. Well, well, uh, brother Ice Cube contradicts himself uh, later in there. He he says a life sentence. But then later on down there, he indicates he talks about minimum sentences. Okay? So there's a contradiction there. Um, you know, you already have life sentences for murder. It's a matter of just uh, particular judges in certain areas actually enforcing the law properly. The sentencing laws properly okay now also he talked about and you'll get to it but I, and i'll wait i'll wait i'll wait i'll wait carry on <laughs> carry on carry on 
right, all right. So uh, I'm not going to go through all of these things. I'm really hoping that um, many of our watchers and supporters, the fly folk, the people that follow Afro Synergy, you know, the forward evers, the our black improvements, the conscious. 757 heads. I'm hoping that they'll take a good look at this themselves and we can really chop it up and determine what's going to be uh, most important as we move forward. I would say by September, we really need to have all, all be behind one agenda or make sure that our groups have their agendas well read and well prepared so we can push for, we can collectively push. Uh, our constitutional amendments codifying, yeah, we got to get on code, uh, constitutional amendments codifying expansion of the 13th Amendment by the courts. Uh, your thoughts? I, I think, I'm not sure if this should, we should push for this. Well, expansion of the 13th Amendment, you know, that has to do with uh, prisoners. If you became a felon, that uh, you lost all your rights. In other words, <laughs> essentially, they could treat you just like they, somewhere like they treated you when in slavery. So, um, well, with that, with the 13th Amendment, uh, in that, I would just say this, that prisoners right now, some of them, they do have a choice. You know, they have a choice uh, not to go out there and uh, uh, work and make a little bit of money while they're in prison. They don't pay a pay. They don't pay the minimum wage, uh, and they have a choice to do it. Some of them choose okay. to do it. Some of them don't choose to do it. The main point is, black men, black women, do the right thing. Stay out of those doggone prisons. Stay out of them. Okay, do the right thing. So that's the main thing, and we want to we want to stress that first and foremost. Uh, I stated in the 21-point agenda uh, uh, what I had to say about uh, prisons. And Ice, right. Cube, Ice Cube speaks about uh, the three, three strikes and you're out. Well, I don't, I don't know where Ice Cube's been, but uh, Congress has pretty much gotten rid of that. They got rid of it. And then... Uh, yeah, that was... Wasn't that part of the... Uh Joe Biden's plan. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was the Biden, the Biden crime bill. Uh, okay, not getting rid of it, but it was uh, the 1990s. That was a part of that. The Congressional Black Caucus, they were on board with that too. Okay, yeah, they were, yeah, they were on board with it. So uh, Cynthia McKinney wasn't, but you know the rest of them, they were. So uh, when you look at uh, incarceration uh, and uh, people being used by private institutions to enrich private institutions. You know, you're making computers for uh, uh, computer companies while you're in prison. And we all know about the license plates, the state license plates. Uh, that's, they, they've been doing that in a lot of prisons for a long time. But they're making other things too. I mean, some some, some, uh, 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 some uh, in prison systems. So, right. uh, but my main message would be that once these men and women get out of prison, and I said this earlier, that they be given the full rights that they had before they went into prison. So um, uh, that's what's most important if they go into the prison system. And what's more important is that you don't even go into that system. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. Now, what do you think about his point on entertainment um, studios making sure they spend money with black-owned production companies? Well, he threw that in for his group. <laughs> that, that was just that was just for good measure, okay? <laughs> okay, all right. That was just for good measure. You know, both um, uh, black folks are not are not hip hoppers. They're not out there spinning and DJing and, and doing their own beats and all that kind of stuff. A, a lot of them, a lot of them, they, they you know they think they're going to be a superstar or Dr. Dre or whoever. Uh, uh, with all that, but you know, it's just like NBA players. You know, only a small inf, inf, inf percent will ever achieve that. Okay, so most folks who are running like that, rolling like that, they're chasing a doggone fairy tale pipe dream anyway. So uh, I would say, you know, be realistic. You know, get into uh, the STEM. You know, science, technology. Electronics and well, mathematics. You know, I, I, I love all that. Science, you know, we definitely got to push the STEM. I call it the stream, actually. Science, technology, reading, engineering, and math. Uh, I am a hip hopper, though. Um, salute to my hip hoppers, my DJs. But you're absolutely true. I think the Ice Cube kind of threw that in. Um, I, I see the merit, but I'm not sure if that should be part of our national political agenda at this point. But, you know, I, I have to admit, I did grow up in the time period where we were kind of taught that we just kind of have to accept the inequality and demeaning behavior that the dominant society is set upon us. You know, we had to accept that there was going to be this monument to Christopher Columbus or to George Washington and just ignore all the bad things that those individuals did and just celebrate the things that celebrate America. So speaking of the monuments and institutions, uh, Ice Cube says we need to eliminate all Confederate and overly, overtly, I'm sorry, eliminate all Confederate and overtly racist statues. But rather than destroy them, they're due to be kept in the National Archives, Smithsonian Institute, blah, blah, blah. Um, and all uses of and displays of the Confederate flag will be banned, renamed the streets and a memorial built in Washington, D.C. to victims of excessive police force. Um, any thoughts on those? Actually, I'm not opposed to them, actually. Yeah, I mean, but it's still it's symbolism. That's all that is. Okay, uh, removing a statue is, is, is just is just somebody's way of saying those who think dominant, and I and I put that in quotes because I don't use that terminology. Dominant society, I don't even use it. Um, yeah, you don't use white supremacy or dominant society. I, I understand. I don't use any of that mess. I don't use any of it. Okay, because it, it's, it's white folks. Uh, uh, creation. Those terms are white folks' creations used to uplift and esteem themselves. And when black folks use it, they are acknowledging that they are inferior. They are acknowledging that they do not dominate. They're acknowledging all of those things. Now, what if, what if uh, 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 Bill Russell had subscribed to that. Bill Russell would not have had those championships in the NBA that he had. Michael Jordan. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. I, I find uh, that I find that intriguing. Uh, okay. All right. 
what if they subscribe to all that kind of nonsense? You don't subscribe to that kind. Of, I don't talk that nonsense. I don't talk it. Okay, it was created for white folks to esteem themselves and for black folks to continue to esteem them. Okay, so dominance was why hell no. White supremacy, hell no. I don't believe any of it. Any of yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, so, but, All right, but, but you said your your, your your point pretty much is go ahead. The statue, go ahead. That yeah. is a bunch of symbology. That's all it is, symbolic. Okay. Now, right now, in the midst of this perfect storm, the message must be reparations. Now, you know, you can say Black Lives Matter, but it is not about that. It's not about that. Reparations now. Otherwise, they're going to keep on killing you. They're going to keep continue to do that, beating you up, imprisoning you. You get what your inheritance is. And then you build from that inheritance, not continually hold on to the umbilical cord where you connected and you are subservient to. You are dependent upon those who hated you, and many of them still hate you. We must move further than where we were yesterday. And you cannot do that by pushing and promoting yesterday's programs. Yesterday's programs, for the most part, has proven to be a failure. How do we know? Go and look at the wealth chart. Black and white wealth chart. That's how we know. All right, continue on, my brother Seiko. Well, you know what? Uh, we've kind of gone through Ice Cube's contract with Black America. So we've kind of juxtaposed it with your African-American national political agenda. I want to salute, uh, let the truth be told. He says, my people need to stop thinking as individual because they are judging us as a race the wealth gap, for example, we're competing with others rather than being able to compete with other races. Um, interesting point. I want to salute, let the truth be told, and all the others who are left comments today. We've got a chance to compare Ice Cube's contract with Black America versus the African-American national political agenda. We have uh, good brother T. West from Afrocentergy on. And uh, T. West, what I want to do is look at some of the other agendas with you over the next few weeks and juxtapose those with yours. And we can finally get to the point where we have, I guess, what's best. What's best. Because, and the good thing is, we don't need all of us to be on board. We don't need all, we just need 10%, 15%. That's all we need and we can get everything that we're asking for. You know, so for the people who were saying silly stuff like reparations will never happen, I think Mr. Gerardo said that. Um, it already happened for other groups here in America. It'll happen for us. History disagrees with you, Mr. Gerardo. Of course we want free money. No, we want what's due to us. We want what's due to our ancestors. We want to build what they were unfortunately unable to build because of the government structure. You know, we're not against white folk. We're against the government. The government did this to our ancestors and the government has to pay. Uh, T. West, last words, man. Last words. Well, Brother Seiko, uh, thanks once again for the invitation to uh, join you on your program. And I, I will say this, that we are indeed going to get reparations. That's going to happen. 
In this country, we are more powerful than the Japanese. We're even more powerful than the small hats. It's just that most black folks don't yet know that, but we are. Okay, that's why all these other groups, when black folks get upset in America, they come out and they try to link on to what black folks are doing. They're doing it right now, okay? Right now, to push their own agenda, okay? All right, you're a very, very powerful people. You're not a weak people. You're strong and you're a great people. You built America. You have an inheritance in America. It is yours. Now go out and take it. Go out and demand it. Get on the same page and stop being low information, black folks. Okay, and don't be stiff-necked. So, Brother Seiko, thank you once again for the invite to your program. Hey, let the uh, church say amen. Let the community say ashe. <laughs> we thank T. West from Afrocentergy News again. If you uh, are not one of his subscribers, subscribe to his channel, Afrocentergy News. It's it's eye-opening. It's definitely eye-opening. I also want to say, in addition to what T. West brings to the table, you know, look at what Jason Black is doing on the Black Authority. The Black Authority, he just dropped three billboards in my hometown, New York City, and one in Flatbush where I'm born, yeah. So, and those billboards are the move. We need to support what he's doing, the Black Authority, check out their website, their YouTube channel. Professor Black Truth is dropping gems. Professor Black Truth, along with Afrocentergy News, has truly opened up my eyes. Um, Tariq Nasheed, I've been a uh, fan of his content for a while. You know, I've actually done some screenings of his films here in the Hampton Roads area. So check out what he's doing. Yvette Carnell and Antonio Moore with Adolfs 101 are doing some great work. Look for the sister, The Blackest Truth. Find all of their YouTube channels. Stay in contact with the people who are pushing for us to get reparations and pushing for our political agendas. Get on code. Get on code. Get on code. Stay fly. 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 The views expressed by the guests are only the views of the guests. Unless we say we agree. Unless explicitly stated. <laughs> stay fly, stay fly, stay fly, stay fly, stay fly. Stay fly.